want to welcome everybody that is uh, following us through Facebook or YouTube. We're glad to have you. And uh, we are looking forward to going through the Word of God tonight. And we are looking at the book of Lamentations. And I'd like you to find your place in Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Jeremiah is the penman of this book. And uh, you know when... When Israel was moved out of the land, uh, they were deported in different, in different uh, time frames. And uh, Jeremiah is the prophet that stayed in Israel. Ezekiel is the prophet that went into Babylon when Nebuchadnezzar came and deported. Um, you know, and you know how they would this is part of what they do, the way that you would get rid of a people is that you would sort of breed them out. So they took the young men out of Israel and uh, they deported them to Babylon. That's how you got guys like Daniel and, you know, Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. And uh, those weren't their, I mean, Daniel was his Jewish name, but those other three, uh, Hananiel, and there's some other names for them I can't remember just right off but you would remove the young men out of the land and then you would import the young men from your country. They would take wives of those in the land of Palestine and they would breed them away. And that's where the Samaritan race comes from. When you read in the New Testament, you don't, you don't find much of anything about a Samaritan in the Old Testament, but you do find them in the New Testament, the Samaritans, and those were half-breed Jews. They were half uh, Assyrian, Chaldean, and Jewish. And, uh, and so they were not well liked by the Jews of those early days when Jesus walked here uh, on the earth. And, but that's not the, the, the purpose of our examination tonight of what we want to look at. But I, I want you to take note of a couple of verses in here. And and, and let me ask you this, and I, I, what I really need for you to do is to be honest with yourself, all right, tonight. And it's, it's sort of a serious message for a Wednesday night, but it has a practical value, and, and we'll get to that. But let me ask you this question. How many of you have, uh, have ever experienced unanswered prayer? How, Well, but sometimes, oh, that's really it. Well, and but sometimes it's it's uh, it's not a trick question. I was asked, "Is this a trick question?" For those of you watching, it, it's not a trick question. Yes, that's true. Yes is an answer. No is an answer. Wait is an answer. But what if you get no answer? That is unanswered prayer. I've experienced that. You know, and, and, the, and the bottom line is, don't, don't we need our prayers answered on a regular basis? We do. And, and, and I, I think about what Jeremiah has said, and I'm going to read you a quote from what Job said. And I think these to be godly men. Listen to what, Jer listen to what Jeremiah said in chapter 3 and verse 8. He said, and when I cry and shout, he shutteth out my prayer. That's not a no. That's not a wait. <laughs> that's no answer. I mean, like, I, I've prayed, and I, I'm just being honest. I, I've prayed sometimes, and it felt like, 
Man, the words just, all they did was come out of my mouth and they just hit the ground. They didn't go anywhere. And I know that my feelings, my impressions are not always right. But there just was, there just didn't seem to be the presence of the Spirit of God when I was, when I was in that place. And, uh, it, and when I'm talking about spiritually, I'm not talking about geographically. Um, look, look at verse 44. Same chapter, thou hast covered thyself with a cloud that our prayer should not pass through. Jeremiah, no wonder he put this in the book of Lamentations. He's lamenting this. Listen to what Job said in chapter 30, verse 20. He said, I cry unto thee, and thou dost not hear me. I stand up, and thou regardest me not. It's like you're just taking no notice of me. Well, well, let me ask you a question. So how does that square up with then what Jesus said in Matthew 7 and in Luke 11? He said this, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread... Will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So, so is the Lord Jesus just teasing us? Is he dangling a carrot? Is there something wrong with prayer? Now I know that's a foolish question. But my point is, how do we square that up? The Lord said, ask. And it shall be given, but we each have experienced unanswered prayer, and Jeremiah experienced it, and and uh, and Job experienced it. And I suspect there have been some others down through time that have. So, so what's the problem? Well, I believe I can safely say that prayer is not the problem, nor is God the problem. Usually, what's happened is there's something in our life that has hindered our prayers. And the title tonight is When the Heavens Are Brass. When the Heavens Are Brass. You know, I, I need the Lord to hear me. You know, David talked about he inclined his ear unto me. You know, and David said, be not silent unto me. Hear me speedily. Boy, I, I, I need the Lord to hear me. And you need the Lord. I, I, I need the Lord to hear you because I... I know you're praying for each other in here. You're praying for me and, I, and, and vice versa. And we need to be heard. And so, but there's some reasons why this can happen. And, and I, want to, I want to look at them with you tonight. And so, so uh, I, it really, I, the bottom line is I think it'll encourage you. It'll edify you because what should you do when, when these things happen? And so let me give you some practical things. Look with me in Psalm. You're right there in Lamentations. Turn left. We got just three places I want to go to tonight. Look in Psalm 66, familiar verse of scripture. I've heard some of you all quote this in our conversations. Uh, Psalm 66 and look in verse 18. Psalm 66 and verse 18. Notice what this passage says and, and probably you could quote it. I've heard some of y'all quote it. Psalm 66 and verse uh, 18. Notice what it says. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
if I regard iniquity, you know, the Lord is not going to hear your prayer when, when you've got sin in your heart. He's not going to. And so to regard, just to regard sin means is to consider it in a particular way. In other words, to gaze at it. If you look it up, it means to gaze upon it. It's almost like the word behold. You know, if you behold something, that's not the same as a glance. Like a glancing blow, that's just here and there, right? If you glance at something, you might have told somebody that, well, I glanced at it. Did you read the article? No, I glanced at it. I saw the first lines and it was boring and I, I let it go. That, you know, what we're talking about here, if I regard iniquity, what he's talking about here is the fact that I gaze upon it in a specified fashion. In other words, it means to have it right in the front part of the mind right up here that's sort of dominating my thinking it reminds me and it means to turn toward it as you're being drawn to it and this iniquity and i i put down here as an illustration a scent point do you know what a scent point is you know what a bird a bird dog sees a quail or they see that grouse or ptarmigan when they visualize it and they and they immediately lock up and they go on point. They might lift their paw, their tail, man. Every hair in their tail is sticking up. I mean, they every muscle is tensed up. Some of them will even quiver a little bit. But they are rock solid on that point. That's called a sight point. Because that, that dog knows instinctively in the breed, if I move much closer, it's going to fly. And I don't want, I got to hold it right here. And some dogs, you got to teach them the word woe. W-H-O-A. Uh, and, uh, and teach them woe so that, they, you know, I've had them and I would say with my voice, I, I could communicate. I'd say, easy. And Sam, she'd just move a little bit. Easy. You know, just a little bit. But a scent point, a scent point is when they get a whiff of them. And those, those bird dogs, they, when they smell a quail or a grouse, a game bird, a pheasant or whatever, that's almost like like a perfume, if you will, to them. And I've watched a man where they actually, they'll be going along and all of a sudden they get a whiff and suddenly they just turn and they're sort of U-shaped. They won't move, they won't budge, but they got a scent point. I don't see the bird, but boy, I smell it and it's over here. And that's kind of what this picture is in our minds. Now, you know, here's the thing. The bottom line is, uh, beloved, our thought life matters to God what we think about and uh, and and that and because of that he holds us accountable for what we mull over in our mind now listen i don't think that you and i are responsible for every thought that comes along because some of those things are not of our own making not even of our old nature some of our thoughts are not and those are the ones that bought you know taking them captivity and and, and, and just letting that thing go or, or acknowledging, man, that's not the truth. You know, dummy, what are you, what are you thinking about that for? You know, that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and so some of those, I think the enemy tries to plant, if you will, and a suspicion or a surmising or whatever about someone or something. But it's the ones that we mull over and we contemplate and so forth. And, and the scripture says in the book of Proverbs said that the thought of sin is foolishness. The thought of sin is foolishness and so so i mean now think about it now you know and and some of these areas you know in the old testament a person actually had to commit the deed 
in order to be considered guilty. In other words, like if, like, uh, you know, if, if, if somebody took another person's life in the Old Testament, in order for them to, to, uh, to not be stayed, but to go through the execution, they actually had to commit it. They actually had to be guilty of committing the act of murder or whatever. But you know, life under grace is different. What did Jesus say? If you just think about it, if you just, if you just have the wrong thought about a lady, about another woman, you can be guilty of adultery, though, though you, never, you never actually meet them, you never, you never hold it. I mean, there's no interaction at all, no physical contact at all, but you thought about it, God holds that accountable. And so sometimes what can get in our way is, is if we have a thought life that is not corralled, and we think of it, and, and because, because life under grace, we, well, I didn't commit the deed. You know, and like somebody said, well, you know, well, to think it is to be just as guilty. And, and, and to a degree that there's truth in that. You know, if, you know that's, that's why Jeremiah said, I made a covenant with mine eyes not to look upon a maid. Jesus said to be guilty of adultery or murder is just to have committed it in your heart. In your heart. And so this is where, this is where our, our thought life and where we have to take stock about our thoughts. And so sometimes when our prayers are unanswered, it may be that there's something there that maybe, you know, I can't remember everything that I have thought about. <laughs> sometimes in an hour or, or sometimes in a day, uh, as I've gotten older and I have, I have a thought about something that God wants me to examine or look at or whatever. Nowadays, I got to write it down. I got to write it down because, because I, I have gone, I've gone to the study and say, now, now, Lord, what, now, what was that thing? Boy, it was such a good thought. What was that thing that you put up? You know, and it just escapes me sometimes. And I don't know if you're at that point of at that stage in your life or not, but you know, the old saying, the dullest pencil has a better memory than the sharpest mind. So I write it down if I possibly can, or I, I put a note in my phone, something to remind me about that thing. Well, I think the same thing is true as we go through the course of the day. Sometimes we hear something, a headline, we read something, we, we, you know, we were told something or whatever, and, it, and, it, and we just don't really consider all the thoughts that we've had in a day and how those things sort of measure up. And, and, and that's why I think David said, you know, in Psalm 19, he said, you know, he said, cleanse your servant from secret faults. Secret faults, things that he wasn't even aware of. And we have so many thoughts in a day that we're not even aware sometimes uh, of the consequence sometimes of those thoughts. And I'm just saying, my, 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 my purpose here tonight is not accusation. My purpose here tonight is to help you identify some things that when, when, when you feel like your prayers or you know your prayer's been unanswered, it's not, it's not wait, it's not a no, it's not a yes, but it's, there's nothing that I feel like I'm shut out. Then sometimes then I have to do a little inventory. And that's what we've got to think about because, you know, it's true. We need each other. But we, but we each need someone to be able to get a hold of the horns of the altar for us. 
You've heard that term before, haven't you? Someone who could get a hold, someone who could get into the presence of God. Boy, we need that, beloved. We need that. So my, my, my purpose tonight is, and I hope you're not, my purpose is not accus, accusation. My purpose is for us to take an accounting, just to have an accounting. So this matter of unconfessed sin, you know, the book of Proverbs talks about there in Proverbs 20, 18, it says the man that confesses and forsakes is the one that finds mercy, but the one that covers it up, it does not. And so again, there's nothing hidden from the Lord about our thoughts. I mean, David said, you know, my thoughts are far off, my down sitting, my uprising. He knows even the words in my mouth, God is aware of those things, Psalm 139. And so, so we've got to be careful about this matter and, and, t and take that seriously. And so, uh, and you know, one of the things, you know, and we may look at this sometime in, the, <coughs> pardon me, in the future, but the Lord, you know, one of the things, and I don't, in there in Luke 11, and it's also in Matthew, I, I don't think that that's the Lord's prayer. I think that's the disciples' prayer. When he said, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, forgive us, you know, forgive us our trespasses. All right? And, uh, you know, and give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. So these things are trespasses. And, and you know, um, it, it just means that as a part of our prayer life, when we're praying, what has to happen in those things? It's not just bowing before him and then just opening our mouth with a laundry list of the things that I want or the things that I think I need. But it is allowing the Holy Spirit to examine my heart that there be nothing that would hinder my prayers from getting through. And, and you know, and just sometimes we get busy in the day and with life. But you got to take time. And, uh, and, and real prayer is real work. It is. And, and so this matter of, of regarding iniquity in your heart. Be certain about those things. Bring your heart before God because, you know, what does the Bible say? The man that trusts in his own heart is a what? You about said it, brother. A fool. They're a fool. And the heart is deceitful above all things. And what? how wicked? Desperately wicked. And so the Lord has to examine it. And so it, we, we want our prayers as a body, the, our needs... We need God to tend to those things. We have lost loved ones. We, we don't always know the will of God. We don't always have the answers, but he does. And, and, and we need our prayers to get through because we've got loved ones, just like what we mentioned tonight and others, like, like some of the missionaries and things that they have. We, we need our prayers to get through. And so we don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot by, by presuming about something. But we need to take the time, let God examine our own heart about this matter. So the first one is, an, is, an, is unconfessed sin. Listen, the Lord can clean you up, he'll help you. The second one, go to Luke 17 with me. Are y'all with me tonight? I, 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 amen, good, thank you. Luke, Luke 17. I promise you, I'm not coming with an accusing spirit. You know, an ounce of prevention is what? Worth a pound of cure. That's what Franklin said. And I've had to ask, I've had to ask the Lord sometimes, God, is there something between me and you? 
there something here I don't know about? Have I crossed the line somewhere? I mean, if you really want, if you really want a fellowship with him, and if you really want an answer, you really want to be able to be heard, at, at, you're going to ask these things. I mean, just like how you can tell between each other when something's not right, you can tell when you get down to pray something's not right. Look, at, look in Luke 17 with me. We'll stay in the New Testament now. The second thing is an unforgiving spirit. An unforgiving spirit. This will hinder your prayer life, beloved. It'll hinder. Notice what he says. Uh, look at verse 3. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. Forgive him. Now listen, if we won't forgive our brothers and sisters, he won't forgive us. That's what the Bible says. Listen to this, Matthew 5 and 24. Leave there thy gift before the altar and go thy way, first to be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Matthew 18, verse 35 says, So likewise shall my Father, my heavenly Father, do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. In other words, then God's not going to forgive us. Our prayer life is going to be hindered. In other words, that's true at the house of God. That, that an unforgiving spirit, if we hold a grudge, if we, you know, something that may have happened a long time ago, uh, some businessman, some transaction with a loved one or family or whatever, and you hold on to that, you're actually hindering yourself. I was reading, you know, I think it was in yesterday's proverb. It talked about, it said, basically the bottom line was, don't rejoice when your enemy, you know, is finally getting his goods. You know I mean? He's finally getting, you're like, oh man, I'm glad about that, Lord. Get him, Lord. And, and the, you know what the, that verse over there teaches? It says, if you do that, then God will actually take his hand off of them. Because not pleasing to him. And so to hold a grudge or to have something against someone and Hold on to that. You're actually cutting off your nose to spite your face. And your prayers will not, will not work. And, you know, and, and even as you look back over the, over the course in history of, of, of this church, as you look at people that have, some that have gone and others that have gone in the past or whatever, and if things weren't right, man, you got to do your best to make it right. I, I remember hearing about a brother. I was in a meeting in, in Baton Rouge and, and uh, this guy got up and he was preaching and he said, man, he said, uh, I, I, had, I, I, I had been in this church, other, another church a long time ago. And he said, uh, I, I tried to find this man. There was a deacon in that church and something evidently had happened. He didn't go into all the details, but he just basically said, I didn't handle it right. And he said, I just was having trouble in my prayer life. And God put his finger on this and said, you're going to have to get this settled. And so, man, it took him a while because he wasn't living in that town anymore. He finally had to catch up with that guy. And I, I don't know what time of day it was when he called him, but he said, he got him on the phone. He said, is this so-and-so? Uh, -so? Yes. He said, well, this, this is brother so-and-so. And he's like, oh, well, hey, brother, how are you doing? And he said, I'm not doing well. And he said, listen, I, I, that thing that happened, I, I messed up. Oh, brother, it's okay. No, no, it's not okay. The Lord told me it's not okay. And I need you to forgive me. I mean, you know, it was one of those kind of things. He had to get that right. And you say, well, time has a way of doing it. I understand that. It, it might take away the feelings of the offense, but the offense is still there. The facts of the offense. 
And he had to get that right. And sometimes if your prayers are hindered, if the heavens seem like brass, it may be that there might be an unforgiving spirit somewhere. And you have to take the time to bring that heart before God and determine that. Hey, is there, everyone, is there anyone that I have ought against or that has ought against me? You know, and it's not one of those things, you know, you stand up in church, well, if I've hurt anybody in here, no, don't do that. That's a cop-out. Name it. Hey, Brother Bill, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Wouldn't be like, brother, if I hurt you, I'm sorry. No, no. That's not the way. That's not taking ownership for it. And so this matter at the house of God. So, you know, because the Holy Spirit is so sensitive, that's why unity is so important and harmony. You know, Brother Roger always liked to use the thing about two cats. You know, if you tied their tails together and hung them over a clothesline, you might have unity, but you don't have harmony. All right? You'll get that in a minute. And, uh, and, and, and you know, and, and sometimes, you know, and we're small, I understand that, but sometimes people go through the motions on things. You got to get it settled. You got to get it right. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We want him to work. And we want our prayer life not to be hindered. So that it, 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 this holds true at the house of God, but it also holds true at your house. Listen to, what, listen to what 1 Peter 3 says. Listen to this passage. Likewise, your husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life. And what's that last line? It says that your prayers be not hindered. We're, we're, we're commanded in the book of Colossians. It says husbands are to uh, love their wives and be not bitter against them. And it can happen. It can happen. And brethren, you know, courage that, you know, and sometimes, you know, in some homes, it does take courage for the man really to be the head. Because some in some homes, I'm not saying that's here, I'm not inferring anything. I'm just saying in some homes that a man, a husband, pays a price when he puts his foot down. And it ought not to be that way. And, and so, but courage has to be balanced by compassion and compromise. And so, you know, a woman responds to the way that she's treated. And ladies, you should strive to be a crown to your husband. So when there's a falling out, when there's an issue, neither one should demand that the other one is the first to apologize. Amen, Brother Ed. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, well, you know, well, I'm always the one that goes up with my hat in my hand. So the idea is to be reconciled. Why? That your prayers be not answered. Do you want your prayers to be heard? Do you want them to be answered? I think that's a rather obvious rhetorical question, don't you? Yeah, you want them to be that way. And, and so we want to be heard. We, we want our prayers answered. And so that means that there's got to be some harmony at, at, in your own home. And there's got to be that forgiving spirit. People have got to know, the people in your home need to know that there's a way back when they've messed up. They got to have that. You just got to have it. And longevity, the longevity of your marriage doesn't exempt uh, any of us from these kind of things. 
It just doesn't. And, uh, you know, so I'm just saying in the little things that transpire in a day or whatever, boy, make sure that, you know, make sure that when you go to bed at night, uh, you know, when, 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 um, when Debbie and I got married, you know, I, one of the things that she never heard her parents ever fight. And so she just couldn't, she had a hard time understanding why we didn't get along. <laughs> you know, when we first got married because she never heard them ever have an argument. It, what they did, it was always done someplace else in the house when they weren't around or whatever. And I, I you know, I think that's great. And, uh, but and my home was just the opposite. It could happen kitchen, bathroom, living room, didn't matter, you know, <clears throat> at the drop of a hat. And so um, I just knew this. I, I, just had to, I just had to get it sorted out. E even as a lost man, I just didn't want to go to bed. I, I just couldn't sleep on it. I'd had to talk it out. Even if it was 3 o'clock in the morning, I just had to talk it out. And I told her we got married. I said, I'm not sleeping on the couch. And uh, there's not going to be any locked doors. If he is, I'll just take it off the hinges. I'm not doing that. I'm not playing that game. We're going to get it settled. And over the years, we've had some intense moments of fellowship. Amen. As, as every married couple has had. And, and maybe even yet will have. I don't know. I, I just know this that you just can't harbor something and expect God to hear you. It just can't be, beloved. And you gotta, you gotta get that, you gotta get that settled. And I think that's true about, I think that's true about parents and their children, if they're grown. I think that's true about siblings, no matter how old you are. I get under my sister's skin sometimes. And, uh, but I want to be right with my sister because I want, I love my sister, but I want my prayers to be heard. I don't want to have something there that's hindering me. And you don't either. I know that. I know that you don't. But we just got to be honest about these things. You see, two things God blesses. One is honesty and the other one is humility. Let me get to this last one and I'll be done. You're having such fun. 1 John 5. 1 John 5. Last place. We're talking about when the heavens are brass. 1 John 5. Look at verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. Now watch. That if we ask anything... According to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. What, what's, the, what's the linchpin in that passage? The linchpin in that passage, those two verses, is this little verse that says, or this portion that says, according to his will. So we've talked about unconfessed sin. We've talked about an unforgiving spirit. Well, here, this is now an unyielding spirit. Unyielding. 
Self-will and stubbornness are unseemly character traits. You know, what is self-will? Well, my way or the highway. God, I want it now. This is what I want. God, this is what I'm doing. I want you to bless it. That's not how that works. I, listen, I've met people over the years. Well, this is what I'm doing. I'm expecting God to bless. You better find out what the will of God is. And, uh, you know, asking according to his will, you know, is the, is the key ingredient to having our prayers heard and answered. What did James say? He said, you ask, but you ask amiss. Why? That you might consume it upon your own lust. So our motive is not right. And when we're unyielding about that, then that gets in the way of our prayer life. If we're not asking according to his will, our wanter and his will are not, to, are not going to get together. And so, beloved, you and I, we've got to ask according to his will. Because if you and I are self-willed and we're stubborn about some things, and then, and, and, you know, it's especially true when, it, when those two attitudes color and contaminate our prayer life. You know, the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he giveth grace unto the humble. I, I, Spurgeon had this note about a woman... Uh, I have some of his notes that somebody has recorded and so forth. But Spurgeon had a note about this woman that a traveler was going down a road and there was a fork in the road. And there was this woman right there. And, uh, and she was, he noticed that she kept throwing something in the air and it was her walking stick. And she was throwing her walking stick in the air and it would come down. She'd pick it up. She'd throw it again. And this guy's like, what in the world is she doing as he's walking down the road traveling? And he asked that lady, he said, what in the world are you doing? And she said, well, I've got to make a decision about which of these forks I'm going to go to the right or to the left. And he said, yeah, but I noticed that you keep throwing it up. She said, because it keeps landing over here and I want to go over here. Well, that's kind of how it is sometimes in our desires rather than yielding to the will of God in our prayer life because this is what we feel like we want or what we think we need and a lot of times beloved we don't have a clue about those things that's why one of the reasons why the holy holy spirit is on the inside to help our infirmities because we don't always know how to pray but i don't want it to be that i'm being stubborn with god about something insisting upon something that maybe god is not wanting me to have maybe right at that time or, or ever in my life. You know, before I got saved, or it went right, before I got saved, hunting, bird hunting, and dogs, and shotguns, and reloading, and that was my life. Debbie was a weekend widow. Man, I, you know, I would bring, I, I, I would bring my dog to the tower, you know, at the airport, and she would sleep on the floor. She was well-behaved. She'd sleep on the floor, and if my boss was, was uh, going to treat me right. He would just send me home early if traffic was low. He would get some, you know, get some air time. He had to have so many hours. He would get air time on, on the radio and he'd say, man, you got your dog with you. I see. You got your gun. Yep. All right. Get out of here. You can hunt on the way home. I mean, that, I, that's what I did. Eat, sleep, everything was all about those birds, and those dogs, and those shotguns and that life. And when I got saved... The Lord took all that away because it was getting in the way. And I had to 
submit myself to that. Man, I had a nice Browning side-by-side sporterized stock, 20-gauge improved and modified, single-trigger barrel injectors. You know, uh, you know that gun today is probably over $2,000, and I paid 300 I think, $326 for it. And all my reloading equipment and all that stuff. And the dogs. It wasn't until... 2017 that I got a that I got a dog I got a bird dog again and I think she's so gun green and gun shy she wouldn't hunt it I mean she'd hunt but she couldn't stand the sound of it but and that you know so that's been like 40 years I'm just saying some things that come along in our life when the Lord has said no, and we try to persist, we cross a line there. It's an unyielding spirit. We have to ask according to his will if we want to be heard, if we, if we want to have our petitions. You, fo you follow what I'm saying? For some people it might be, well, I want that house on the hill, or I got to have this land, or I got to have that car, or that boat, or what... There's nothing wrong with having things. We just don't want the things to have us. But use them as tools and not as toys. There's a difference. There's a difference. So the Lord Jesus, listen, when, when we come with humility, it brings the grace necessary to receive his answer, to be heard and to receive it. So we got to take inventory, you know, to give the Holy Spirit complete access uh, to every aspect of our lives. Dave, David prayed this, and I'll be done. He said this in Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. But it started with that search me and try me. Lord, if I've got something unconfessed, I want to get that settled. If there's something between me and thee, Point it out to me, Lord. If there's someone that I need to go to to make it right, God, I'll do it. I've, I've said, Lord, I'll do whatever I have to to make this right. And, and then thirdly, Lord, I don't want to be self-willed or stubborn. I want to be yielded. Jesus, remember what Jesus said? Nevertheless, not my will, but what? Thine be done. And, uh, and he was a man that was accustomed to getting his prayers answered. Amen. And so, and so you and I, we need to be that way too. It happens, you know, I'm not saying this happens frequently, but when it does, you got to take the time to find out why and then fix it. Amen? Y'all with me? All right. Well, let's pray. Father, I sure do thank you for the truth of the Bible and thank you for my church family. Lord, and I pray, dear God, that you'll help us in this matter. We desire, Lord, that our prayers would be heard and answered. And Lord, because we, we don't want broken fellowship, not in the slightest way. Lord, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. We, we need you. And I pray, Lord, that as you look upon our hearts tonight, as we just take a moment, Lord, to examine our hearts, God, that, uh, that you would have your way with us. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I don't need an invitation, but I just want to take a minute or two before we dismiss, and y'all just... Examine your hearts before the Lord, all right?
When's the last time you asked him that? Lord, search me and know my heart. Examine me. That's all I'm saying. I don't think the heavens have been brass in your life. I don't think that. But I'm just saying, when's the last time you just did a little inventory? Father, I thank you for these dear saints. And Lord, I pray you'll bless them, Lord, this week. And as we approach our week, God, help us to be mindful of these things. But Lord, we want to spend time with you, fellowship with you, and we don't want anything to hinder that. And uh, Lord, because we know how how needy we are and what a mess we'd be in Father if there was something that separated us from you something that we had done Lord I pray you'll bless them dismiss us in your love tonight protect them Lord as they go to their homes in Jesus name Amen